You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. If you haven't checked us out, I'm going I'm to I'm throw in a shameless plug real quick. If you haven't checked us out, we're on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go on there and leave us a five-star review. We've now hit 50,000 downloads or something like that crazy in the first 12, 13 months. So it's been really good, man. We appreciate all the feedback and all the five-star reviews, but keep them coming. Give us any feedback that we can change and edit on the podcast. So we love that. So I start off each episode with a quote. This one's fairly short. And it is a business short on capital can borrow money and no one with a poor location can move. But a business short on leadership has little chance for survival. Uh, Warren Bennis. So it's a really good quote, man. But I want to welcome my guest today, Cody Yeah, a finance, independence and retire early expert. He's a YouTuber with nearly 14,000 subscribers and 300,000 total views, specializing in personal finance, stock options and real estate investing. He helps everyday people gain back their financial control, and reach financial freedom in less than one year. Cody has built a business that generates five-figure monthly returns through his investments and the stock investing for a beginner's community. Welcome to the show today. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Terrence. Yeah, man. Uh, give me your story, bro. Like, Just give me a rundown of who you are and how you became a real estate entrepreneur, but also teaching people how to uh, have similar thought processes when they invest in stock and some other stuff we're going to get into today. But give me your story, man. Yeah, so I, I I was born in Taiwan. I moved to Canada with a student visa at age of eighteen. At that time, I really just want to not to be a burden to the family. As you all know, international tuition fees just kept skyrocketing. So I I chose the major that can get me a decent pay job right off undergraduate. So I pick engineer, you know, and I'm not bad at math. <laughs> not going to deny that. But throughout, throughout the school, really, what gets me excited is the finance, accounting, the investing side, because that's where I realized it could really make an impact on my life, other people's life. But school really never taught us that. It really taught us how to be a really good worker, right? So, you know, after graduation, I, I become a, a project manager at a, at a car company called Honda. You guys probably know, <laughs> you know that. A car company, project manager, manager over a hundred million projects, like over the six years I was there. And, um, you know, and that's really where I, in between, I was two years uh, as a day trader. I met my day trading coach through a friend of friend where she was in Asia. And I was trading an Asian market at night while I was holding a full-time job, working a lot of overtime, like 400 to 800 hours of overtime per year. Wow. Because I didn't know a better way to to really save up money for my first down payment for, for a house, right? So while my first house, 2016, borrowed some money from from mom. And then 2017 is where I bought my first one on myself and then save up more. I bought two more 2019 and then the rest is just history now, right? Man, I love it. Um, what really bring, brings the value uh, for, for all your audience is that now, now I not only invest in real estate, to me, real estate brings me that net worth generation. And I also have been dabbling in day trading, but then I found that it's very stressful, not for everyone. So that's why I started stabilizing the strategy where people can just invest their time less than 30 minutes per day on their phone and they can earn one to four percent per month and that's they can almost double their money in you know a few years of time again no guarantee not stock advice but it's what i have seen over the years so that's on top of that that's what replaced my six-figure job and allowed me to quit in 2019 congrats bro 
So let's let's hit the real estate and then we'll 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 jump into how you made that transition into the investing. So you bought those properties to, you know, 2019. I know you mentioned syndication. So walk me through your first investment property transaction. What type of asset was it? Where did you buy it? Do you still own it today? Kind of walk me through that real quick. I'm from Toronto. So there's some, uh, you know, Toronto's transportation has been really old. There's only two subway lines, a U shape and, and one horizontal. It's been like that. And now there's more expansion. So we look at some, some expansion and we, we bought one in 2016. It was a bungalow. Uh, we, uh, we assumed the tenants, long-term tenants. And, um, you know, we paid half a million. It's actually 526.543. I remember that because that was my first house. I come up with, I think, 37,000. And then my mom come up with the rest of the down payment. And then we just bought that house. We still have it today. I think it's probably appraised somewhere at 1.2, 1.3. Who knows? Maybe more. Wow. Um, but that's the first deal, really. Uh, we came from Asia. So all we seen growing up is whenever there's a sky train or there's a subway, before they built that, when they announced it, it's a hype. But when they're building it, actually the, the, the house price will stay there. But once they finish up and clean it up, everything's so beautiful. That's when the price will just double mm. across the whole transportation. So we took that same concept and bring it over here as well. Man, why didn't you call me, Cody? You were supposed to call me and tell me about that, bro. <laughs> I was so, trying to figure out what I was doing. Now looking back, yeah, I looked like a genius, right? But <laughs> yeah, congrats on that, man. So that's single family, like a bungalow, like you said. Bungalow. Yeah. Uh, how many beds? How many baths? And what is it leased for today? It's a post-war bungalow, like one and a half stories. We could easily put in, you know, separate into the basement upstairs. Right now, we're, we're turning over the tenants, and uh, we're doing that a legal duplex thing. You can probably rent for an easy probably 1800 in the basement, 23. Now with all the rents being skyrocketing, probably like 25, 28, no problem upstairs. And yeah, we have a very low LTV. We never refile on that one. It's just one of the things we kind of say, this is our backup, a backup plan. I don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. And so then you transition. I know you mentioned some multifamily stuff. Do you want to talk about that or you want to talk about the transition into investing? Kind of walk me through that next step when you were able to progress and, and kind of keep going in, on your career. Yeah. So, you know, after that, we have a taste of what real estate could do. The first property is really cash flow neutral, if not ne slightly negative at that time. So we, we know that, hey, cash flow is really important, but, you know, the market has been going up. But anyone looks like a genius when the market go up. But really, as we get more experience, we know that cash flow is not where you make the most money, but that's what kept the business going. Mm -hmm. So we become very careful with that and we start going further out of to Toronto. So we go start going further out within an hour drive, maybe one and a half hour. I start buying up like land, like with bungalows on it or a house on it and try to convert it to legal duplex. Mm. Right. And then the one, the one house we just bought, you know, on the small scale personal portfolio size, we just bought another deep lot with 53 frontage, 53 feet frontage and then 220 uh, feet uh, deep. And then, yeah, we're going to, um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't talked about anywhere else. You know, we're hoping that this will happen. There's some some gray area and uh, municipal municipality uh, mm -hmm. law where we could put the main uh, uh, unit as you know, put in like a uh, a demo permit, and 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 we're not really gonna you know tear it down, but we're gonna turn it into a legal duplex while we put a big house in the back. So now we have like three legal units, and it's a beautiful way. Everyone's not out of anyone's way, so. You know, that the back one could be Airbnb and the front one could be a legal duplex for a long-term tenant. Love so it. That's just on personal Love portfolio side. So let's talk syndication. I know you got a group of guys that you may be partnering with uh, to invest in real estate. 
what are y'all investing in? Where are you investing in? How much money have you raised? And what is your focus? So kind of just walk me through that. Yeah. So the fund we're being formed. So again, you know, um, this is just all talking, planning things yeah. at this stage. I know what will happen because four of my other uh, investors, uh, partners already raised more than hundred million in total over the past I think, two, three years. And, uh, and they have a really good track record. So our goal is really to uh, buy up lands in Toronto or around Toronto where uh, the zoning is already uh, zoned for high density and we're going to buy up and we will just go through the site plan approval and we will probably uh, sell it at that point, if not parting off another builder. And uh, and that might be our second fund to do that. Sweet. Keep me on your short list, bro. So, you know, we have our equity company, you know, that we buy multifamily, we buy developments. I'm developing four neighborhoods right now. Actually got a groundbreaking on our third groundbreaking on the neighborhood in the last three weeks. So I'm serious. Keep me on your short list. We can talk offline, but keep me on that short list if you guys get it all packaged up and don't want to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I'm not sure if you guys do any construction in Toronto, but we really try to stay away from construction because all our experience has been, you know, that's been a big headache for us and it's not our highest and best use of our expertise. And we're really good at the relationship building side, raising capital side. So Love it. right now we're f- focusing on that. But yeah, there's lots of partnership that could be made. Sweet. So let's talk about that real quick, Cody. You said something that I'm always referencing on the podcast. I'm always referencing when I'm coaching agents and real estate entrepreneurs, I call it, you know, TBS, where's your time best spent or HBU, highest and best use. So when you're thinking about highest and best use, just walk me through the thought process in your mind. You know, am I managing my time? Well, is this where I need to spend my time? Because that rolled off your tongue really comfortably. And I can tell that's something that you think about. Walk me through that thought process. Yeah. It didn't come natural the first day. Trust me, I was that person putting 400 to 800 of hours of overtime paying half to the government, as you guys call it, the W-2 or Canadian version T-4. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't smart, but I was working hard. But what I realized is that as you get to a certain income level or a certain equity level, you start taking a step back and be like, okay, Cody, who you really are. And I think this is for your audience. They all should take time and, and you know hire coaches or really just sit down and ask the people around them and say, hey, what am I good at? What do you guys see me I'm good at, right? And then instead of just being a balanced person, trying to be a jack of all trades, focus on the things you're really good at and double down, triple down on that and hire out the rest. Yeah, we're laughing, man, because I always say double down on your driver. It's a Tiger Woods story that I've told a million times. So I won't bore my audience with telling it again today. But yeah, double down on your driver, bro. Just do what you're good at and just become, you know, good to great. It's a great book, you know, uh, it talks about what can you be the best in the world at, right? And just mm-hmm. just do that, you know? Yeah. And it's- I know that uh, it takes time. And I know I have an engineering background, but I can sort of still talk. Even English is my second language. I can still kind of pitch ideas, get people excited. And, and I deliver. That's the most important part. I do exactly what I said and people see the track record. And I just continue to build more trust, right? That's the whole reason why I'm in this partnership because people see the track record. Not really from the real estate side because they raise a lot more money than me, but they see it from the marketing side, the sales side, the team building side. So they're like, Cody, I want you to be part of the team as well, right? So, you know, you know what you're good at and there's always a place for you for the partnership. So let's hit that and then we're going to move to some some investing stuff. But let's hit that because I know you've had, what, 14, 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. What took you to YouTube? Why did you pick YouTube over LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Clubhouse and TikTok and the Snapchat and the list goes on, right? So why did you focus on YouTube and what did you do to really grow that audience? Yeah, um, to be honest, I, I, I stumble on YouTube 
when I first started each video, take me about 20 to 40 hours. I didn't have a team. I didn't know what I was doing. I was taking multiple courses and trying to figure it out, writing my own script, uh, filming it, figure out what camera to use, what microphone to use, how to do editing, and then just trying to make it perfect. I nearly kill myself. I still have my girlfriend now, but nearly kill, kill her as well because I was like trying to be perfect. But that was a way where I get a lot of organic leads because Google is the biggest ad company in the world, right? And YouTube is owned by Google. So, um, and if Facebook is the second one, right? So organically, I still think YouTube is the future. A lot of people argue that they might be too late, but if you're niche enough, if you create uh, a value and entertainment all together, you will be that star, right? So I provide both of those. I know I stopped for almost two years, but we're coming back to it this time around. I'm a lot smarter. I focus on what I do best. Everything else is outsourced, right? Mm. Is there any pitfalls if if I were brand new saying I want to start a YouTube channel, right? Is there, what would be the top three things you would tell me to do besides the editing, besides getting the right microphone? Like how would I start? And like really, you know, you hit one, like grow a niche, but how specific would I need to be in growing that audience? Because I know people are going to ask. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no problem. Be niche about what you're providing. And you don't need to talk too much about yourself because when people don't know you, people don't care unless you're a superstar. And which you already is, right? Terrence, you're a superstar. So <laughs> you can talk about your story. Yeah. But in the beginning, I treat it as how do I bring value to people, bring some entertainment. So because finance stuff is very boring. I talk about stocks, I talk about options, talk about a little bit of real estate. It's very boring for normal people. But how do I make it so that's entertaining for people to watch after work on their way commute home or on a Sunday night? Right. So I try to provide that so it's light, but it's still informative. Right. Mm. So I would say focus on your niche. You want to know who you're really targeting. It's not out about subscriber, out, out about how many likes, comments. It's more about, are you reaching the right audience, right? And then, you know, there's some big YouTubers making a lot of money through AdSense, right? Where like Google share their ads revenue, but really there's a back end of that. So you bring in the leads, bring in the people who are interested in your product and what you have to say, what value you have to offer, then what? I think that's very important mm-hmm. as well to figure that out. And it seems like you already have it figured out. Now you're just like, how can we get through different platform and, 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 you know, like consolidate those leads, right? Love it. A lot of wisdom there, man. Make sure y'all are taking notes and that's really good stuff, bro. So you transitioned, like you said, in 2019, you were able to retire from your W2 or what you referenced Before. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk, walk me through that, that transition and why and how, and let's talk about it, man. Coach me. Yeah. I, I want to say it's coaching. It's uh, that we're just crossing the river by, by what would he say? T- touching the rocks. Yeah. It's probably not the right phrase, mm-hmm. um, but you know what I mean? Really? I was at the point where I'm at the breaking point. It's like, okay, am I going to move to the next level? I moved to the mid management. I work more hours. I was miserable. My stomach's getting upset, upset all the time. And um, it's not the way I want to live life. So I'm like, okay, I really look deep down. I'm really like trying to be entrepreneur as a business owner. A lot of decision I'm trying to make is what the operational manager was making. But unfortunately, they feel like a threat because I'm a lot of times stepping on their toes. They're like, yeah, we don't need you to know that. We don't need you to know this number kind of thing. So I was kind of frustrated. Uh, so thankfully at that time, you know, my stock option uh, account is you know over seven figures. At that time, not over seven figures, but at that time, it's already replacing my full-time income. And I, I, on top of that, I have real estate cash flow, I have real estate equity, uh, other equities and, and you know different assets. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to take a risk, now is the time because I'm not going anywhere with this job right here. So my really, like honestly, the plan was, you know what? I'm going to quit. I will figure out 
worst case, I have to sell one of my properties and I can survive for another five years. What's the worst case of that? Mm-hmm. So I took the chance and thankfully my girlfriend supported me. Of course, the stock option, the real, uh, the cash flow definitely helps come in to cover everything. So I don't have a lot of stress, but it's just the stress that I inflict on myself because now that everyone's looking at me and like, yeah, let's see where Cody is going, right? Cause you make the bull promise on yourself and now it's the delivery side. So there's definitely a lot of ups and downs, but you know, we make it happen. I start from personal coaching people one-on-one for a stock option. And then I become, you know, teaching a course, live course. Now we have a mastermind, hundreds of people. And, you know, uh, just for people who doesn't know, I was invited uh, to be a guest speaker for uh, TD Canada Trust, which is like the second biggest bank in Canada. It's kind of like the, the Wells Fargo with Bank of America and equivalent US. And they have an annual event for a stock option. They invite me to be their guest speaker to talk about, to warm up their investor month for them, right? So mm-hmm. it took me two years to get there. And uh, so, um, yeah, I want to say there is a plan, but we just keep pivoting and keep making sure what makes sense, keep reducing the risk and keep, you know, creating the upside. Right? Love it. So you mentioned real quick and then we'll pivot. You figured out a way to make it sound like real estate for people like me, right? Who develop and buy. In a short synopsis, how did, how did you do that? Like, how does that, how do you take stock investing and make it feel like real estate investing? Yeah. I, I, most of my clients are real estate investors, 80 to 90% of them. So the way I'd explain it is everyone wants to buy off-market deals. Correct, Terrence? Correct. Everyone wants less eyes on it so they can potentially negotiate a better deal. Usually there's equity already built in because everyone, every smart investor knows that you win on the buy. Yep. Right? The construction is really just push it through. Right? So- in real estate, a lot of people pay a, a, a wholesaling fee, a finder's fee to get that deal. And of course, there's a lot of relationship. You make sure you close, you have a good track record so people bring deals to you. But in stock market, if you know what you're doing, which Warren Buffett knows what he was doing, this is Warren Buffett's strategy. He's acting as an insurance company. He's selling an insurance policy saying that, hey, I sell this policy. If within 30 days, this stock price did not drop to this level, I will keep the premium you guys pay to the insurance company. But if the stock price drops to a certain level, guess what? I will buy that stock at that lower level with already equity built in mm. comparing to the time he sells that insurance contract. So it's technically almost like you're selling, a, <laughs> you're basically almost like tying up a deal and you tell the buyer and say that, uh, sorry, tell your neighbor and say that, you know what? I know you're afraid that the house price might go down. So you know what? If it dropped by 10% next year, we have three appraisers come in, I will buy your house at 10% off but you got to pay me $10,000. Wow. And if this is your neighbor's only house and he's like, you know, like in his retirement age, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I will hedge that 50K or 100K downside with 10K up front. I'm okay with that. So that's the money you get paid. And the worst case is that you get to buy your neighbor's house at a much cheaper price and you already know what to do with it. Mm. And you're already happy with buying at the market value, but now you have a chance to buy at a cheaper price. Wow. If not, you keep the 10,000, you continue on selling more options more insurance contract. You know, if you ever buy that house there from the real estate standpoint, you would do your burr, you do your value added activity. But in our in our strategy, you know what? We own it for cheaper now. Cool. Now we rent them back out. We rent out our stocks and then we get paid another premium. Mm. Just like kind of rent to own it out. So you buy off market stocks, rent to own your stocks out for extra cash flow. So you make cash flow on both sides. And both of those cash flow and premium will further reduce your cost of ownership. Bro, you just put a new wrinkle on my brain. (laughs) 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, it was very uh, complicated, but I try to make it as simple as possible, but ask away. Yeah. No, that's good. So what would you call that, right? Is that option trading? Is that margin trading? If you were to put a word on it, what's the difference between option and margin trading and what that is? And is it one of those? I'll, I'll say we trade in a margin account, but I don't want anyone to think this is very risky. If you know what you're doing, we basically are agreeing to buy an asset we already want to buy at a cheaper price mm-hmm. and we get paid to do that. If mm-hmm. we didn't get, get the asset at a cheaper price, guess what? We still keep the premium just like an insurance company, right? It's like when you pay your home insurance, when you pay your auto insurance, whether you make a claim or not, you never get the money back, your premium back. You never get it back. Right now we're the insurance company and we get paid that premium. Whether we get to make the claim, buy the house, buy the stocks, if we don't or we if we do, we always keep the premium and that is our cash flow. And that's one to 4% per month. That's a lot for, you know, once you have a sizable account, right? You can take that money and then speed up your process of saving for the next down payment or a lot if my alumni has the development projects or like Burr projects. So they're like, they have some money waiting to buy the next property. They put it in here, generate one to 4% per month. And then once they see some target, they just sell it and then they go buy real estate, right? So that just speed up the whole wealth generation process. Love it, brother. Love it. So you mentioned earlier Warren Buffett, right? Is it, it, Do you feel like that's what he set up with his conglomerate with Berkshire Hathaway? How would that connect? Just because I know people would ask me that question because it was referenced at the beginning of this part of the conversation. Where do you feel like he's done that strategy, but just at a global level? Yeah. So that's a very good question, Terrence. So there's reason why Warren Buffett owns a lot of insurance company because they there's a lot of uh, statisticians or, or actuarians in the back end, doing all the math, make sure that the worst case that could happen, they still have enough money to to pay out. But usually worst case never happened, right? So insurance company make a lot of money. And this strategy I'm talking about is a modified version of what Warren Buffett used on Coca-Cola. Back in the days, everyone knows that he owns a lot of Coca-Cola. He used to sell a lot of contracts on Coca-Cola. When Coca-Cola was 20 bucks, he was like, hey, I sell a contract, I pay a couple hundred dollar for, you know, one Coca-Cola contract and I'm willing to own it at $16. So if he ever owned it, it's 10, 20% off. But if he never owned it, cool. I keep the 100 and 200 bucks. That's my cash flow. And he just keep going up. Whenever there's a small dip, you get to own some Coca-Cola, but you always buy it on the dip. This is how he keep investing in stocks Wow, that he really wants. Love it, bro. That's good. Well, man, we're going to circle back on that. That's really good stuff. So I got this one section. It's called coming in high. It's just rapid questions. We're going to fire them at you really quick. And we got a record. It's like running a 40 yard dash. So you got to answer these in like one word or one sentence. But the goal is at the end of the uh, season, we want to tally up everybody who had the fastest times. And, we'll, you know, it'll be something fun. So one word. Yeah, or one, now you're putting a lot of pressure on me. Yep. <laughs> one word or one sentence. You ready? Yeah. That's it. So we're coming in high. All right. So college degree or no college degree? No college degree. What was your greatest challenge as a child? No challenge. <laughs> He's like, I'm winning this. I, 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 I was good at I was good at school. I was popular. I was good at sports. So I'm very fortunate in that case. No challenge. Awesome, bro. What was your first attempt at entrepreneurship? Uh, I would say I would say YouTube video. That's probably the biggest one and the most painful one. Yes. Yep. And what was the worst, you know, entrepreneurial advice you've ever received? Have a plan, take action, and then pivot. Mm. That's good. Stop. Don't stop at the analysis paralysis station. Yep. 
And who was the person who made the biggest impact on your career? Oh, there's multiple people. There's no one person because I'm always trying to learn, including my competitor. I call them friends, but I always try to learn from them as well what they do works and what they do doesn't work. And that saved me a lot of time too. Good. What you got? Minute 09, brother. Minute 09. Cool. Is that a good time? Yeah, that's a good time. Did he get our guy from the other day? What was he at? 45 seconds? Oh, man. It was those last couple of sentences, bro. You you missed the tape. I, I got to say, we go for the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse. No, that's good, man. So last couple of questions. When you're thinking about the market, what's one thing that should be on people's radar that's not on their radar right now? That's a really good question. Never can I ask that question before. What's on my radar that's not on other people's radar? Mm-hmm. I will say real estate and stocks are all open book exam. If you really want to find something, it's actually very easy to find something. But the key thing is once you find that answer, what are you going to do about it? And I think most people are get stuck in three ways, really, in terms of real estate or stock option investing. It's really the money, the people, or the deal, right? So if you have two of the three, you're golden. If you only have one of the three, find someone to partner up. So money, people, and deal. So that's not on someone's radar. It's like, oh, I find a good deal, but I don't have money. Or I find a good deal, I don't have you know partners or whatever, right? So that's how I would put it. That's that good. No, that's really good. That's good wisdom there. So when you think about these three questions, I'm going to throw three at you. What's your secret to good time management? Because you're doing a lot. Yeah. Uh, you should look at my calendar. I'm, I'm brutal on- Breaking it up into pieces. Yep. There we go. Yes. And, and I, I, I guard it. Like, mm-hmm. For example, tomorrow, Wednesdays, every week is my EGA days, uh, exponential growth days. And I clear my calendar, I block up my calendar and I only work on strategic things and the new business I'm working on. So that's my thinking time, planning time. Other days are, you know, I have a team, have a team that make it happen. But on Wednesdays, when I, for myself, I go work out, I think, I medicate, and then I just really have less stress on that day and start planning the long term, right? That's, where a lot of great ideas come from. And that's, I'll encourage anyone to do that for not doing it. I'm going to implement that immediately. Appreciate you, brother. You can start one hour. You don't have to be a whole day like me. Like my team each have one hour per week kind of thing. I'm, I'm holding them accountable to that one hour. I love it. So what would you say is the secret to good branding? What's that, what's that strategy, the, the wisdom there? What, what gems did you got for branding? You know what? That's the funny thing. I, I think everyone has, everyone has something that they're really good at. Everyone has something that they, they could have a voice for. And a lot of time is just the courage to really speak it. You know, for me, a branding side, as long as I don't talk about anything, you know, political, sexual violence and all that, I think everyone can feel free to share their opinion and their perspective. And if people can, uh, you know, can resonate with you, they will resonate with you. Uh, and then my own goal is I don't want to offend anyone. I'm, I'm trying to make this world a better place. And to me, that's through financial independence. That's how I you know, educate people on personal finance, stock investing, real estate investing. And, uh, and I only talk about what I do. And um, that, that's my branding. And I don't know what that branding is, but that, that's my branding. That's good. That's good. So final couple of questions. This is our moonshot. That just means, you know, to the moon, you know, you, you've heard, you've heard the quote. Um, so what's your one goal or dream that people think is impossible or, or crazy for you to even think of, but it's your moonshot? Like, Hey man, one day I'm a, what is that? I think like I hit my moonshot since two years ago. That, that was quit my job, replace my income with real estate and stock option. 
And now I'm way past that, but I want to bring more people on board. Mm. Now, my next moonshot will be if I, like now I have hundreds of students, if I help 100,000 of them and I also um, uh, bring the culture of, you know, we help the people who are ready to step up, but we try to give back to the community. I could do it myself. You know, I can donate to the local uh, basket brigade. I can help out people who are in needs for education and all that. But if I can multiply that and convey that culture through all my students, friends, partnership, I think that's my moonshot. Like using my influence to positively impact this group. That's my moonshot, really. I love it, bro. That's that's really cool. I have something very similar as my moonshot right now. So that's good. I love it. So we have every one of our guests on the Real Estate Entrepreneur podcast to bring a book or suggest a book. And you suggested, you know, Money People Deal. Walk me through that book. Just a quick synopsis. And why did what has it done to impact, you know, your career? Oh, I was trying to pull that book, but that book is not here. Sorry. That's all good. <laughs> or whichever so, book or whichever book you want to talk yeah. about. Money People Deal is a book that I read it a while ago. It's an easy read. By by Stefan Arneal, it's a it's actually a really young dude that passed away, unfortunately because of cancer at age of thirty three. But he make a lot of wave. Uh, I think people who don't understand him thinks he's very, uh, you know, upfront and very like straightforward. But he's trying to do good, and uh, um, really, I think in life or in business, really is money, people, and deal a deal. And then if you can have two of the three, you will be very successful. And um, that'll be the book I recommend people to read on top. You know the rich dad poor dad the, the tradition one. I just know a lot of people talk about those books. Yeah, and um, I'll say a second book. I just want to add in a second book with your permission. Go for it. Dale Carnegie: How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read that book and I became a graduate coach for it. And I just know how important communication skill is because a lot of people have really great ideas, but if they can't persuade people, influence people, or convey that ideas, it's a waste. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, yeah, definitely not a great book. That's good, man. So final thoughts for the audience as we close, what's your final thought? And then how can people find you? Yeah. Final thoughts is keep doing what you're doing, but reverse engineer and make sure what you're doing will get to where you want to be. Because I was there, I was thought I was working really hard, but I wasn't going to where I want to be. So now when I design my my lifestyle, my business is that I want to be able to do this anywhere in the world and I have the time freedom to do that. So I have the team and then, you know, like stock option, real estate investing, as long as I have a team, I can do it anywhere in the world. I'm not locked down to a certain place. Love it, man. So that was my goal. doesn't have to be everyone's goal, but that was my goal. And all the business I take up from this point on has to fit that goal. Or unless I know there's a timeline for it. If it's just two, three years, okay. But if I know I just keep building higher and I just keep putting on more time into it, there's no way out. I can't scale it. Then I will say no to it very, mm. uh, very quickly. Mm, that's good, man. Well, thank you again, bro. Where can people find you? Oh yeah, people can find me. Uh, they can uh, even type in Cody Ye and Google C O D Y uh, space Y E H. Or you know, if you, if you want, you can put my YouTube video link in in, in the description. I have a Facebook group with um, more than four thousand people talking about stock option, and most of them real estate investors. It's a free group. Feel free to join. I have a lot of vlogs. I have a lot of value added videos and I run Facebook live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want, you can put it in the links in the description as well. It'll be there, man. Thank you again for being on the show. And if you don't mind, have your team email me some of your coaching stuff. I'd like to digest it and and uh, talk to you about that too, bro. Thank you again. Congrats on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, you should just join the Facebook group and uh, 
you'll see me there every Sunday and just start see what we're doing and see if that can help because uh, we have a lot of real estate investors as well. I'll be on there, bro. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you, Terrence. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 